Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And Jim, once again, it's our good fortune, our great good luck, uh, to welcome back uh, fellow podcaster... Tom Taylor from the world-famous, world-renowned <laughs> Indiana Jones Minute. Tom, thanks for coming back for another episode. Oh, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. It, it's always exciting talking to a newbie with the uh, with the Rocketeer, and you are a, yeah. you're a first-time watcher, which is it's always amazing to Hal and I are you know we're we're jaded, grizzled veterans of this movie. That's right. <laughs> it's it, it's nice getting fresh hot I'm, takes. I'm chomping on a cigar as we speak. Wow. And I, I, I refer never to Jim as that. his kid and, uh, you know, tell him how many times I've been around the block. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in this podcasting biz 20 years, man and boy. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, Tally. Yeah. In my day, we called it radio. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody heard it once, eh? I'm Edward G. Robinson all of a sudden, eh? <laughs> See this rod? It's a curtain rod. It's quite it's curtains for you, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're lovely. <laughs> Wafting curtains. Uh, well, anyway, that's so, somewhere in all this is a movie about a guy with a rocket pack. But oh, yeah. uh, it. Do you think they're both Disney properties now? Do you think that uh, the Rocketeer and the Indiana Jones could coexist? I don't see why not. Huh? I mean, the, the, a comic book, something, something has to. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've I've uh, we've shared a picture on the Rocketeer Minute Facebook page quite a while ago. Uh, might even been when Pete was on. I'm I'm trying to remember, hmm. but uh, I picked up a print at. Uh, C2E2 there in your neck of the woods, Tom. Oh, sure. A few years ago, maybe maybe a year year ago. I, I'm drawing a blank down on the name of the artist, but we have shared it before. But it's uh, it's this wonderful, you know, late 30s, early 40s style movie poster, obviously fictitious, for a film called All Star Commandos. And you've got <laughs> Indiana Jones, Captain America, and the Rocketeer. Oh wow! Uh, just all down there in the in the thick of it, uh, surrounding a tiger tank and punching the Nazis that dare dare stick their heads out. And I'm just thinking, I would watch that movie all day, yeah. every day for the rest <laughs> oh of my, my life. Gosh, yeah. Wow! Until <laughs> the lasers burned a hole through the Blu-ray. Just, yeah, <laughs> take my money. Exactly. <laughs> for now, we have uh, we have the art, and it sits in that special place in my basement that says, "I wish I had more walls." <laughs> <laughs> We all have that. It's all it's just wrapped. If if you could ever unroll all the tubes, yes. it would be quite a, quite a oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we were watching, a, yeah, <laughs> he's taking careful notes of Cl- Clifford is writing down, who I am assuming that that hand is not uh, Billy Campbell. I'm always, every time I see a close-up of something, I'm assuming it's Joe Johnson doing it the way he wants it. I wonder that about everything, like every TV show or every movie. I wonder, okay, did they get, you know so-and-so's hand like is he did he come onto the set and and write that out and perform his own hand or did they get some hand guy or <laughs> yeah yeah hand model right yeah it's funny too in this close-up scene we're, we're seeing uh you know that sort of that wallboard note uh, note thing lots of phone numbers and exchanges and you see ha exchange several times and then right up to the to the uh, by the top left corner of the notepad itself that Clifford's writing on, there's what I think is the world's smallest game of Hangman. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely. going on up there. Yeah. And it looks like it's somebody hysterical. lost. And then I think there might be like, it's Hangman, and then there's a couple of conjoined twins that are watching from the right-hand <laughs> side. Yes. And the word looks to me like it was flight, which 
Oh, uh, I think. Which yeah. would uh, Elsie, which would be very or, or Elisa? Oh, be, oh yeah, that could be too. <laughs> Elise, well, flight makes yeah, a little more sense. Uh, you know, so you guys see uh, you guys see the name of some skite, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and me, I'm seeing I'm seeing something aviation related. That's <laughs> story of my life. I see a little R two D two and a C three PO. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. Exactly, little hieroglyphs. <laughs> yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah, but who who in the 1930s would be playing Hangman on the phone? I that doesn't seem. Yeah. Like, it was you, uh, hang, and you have to stand yeah. up and you're talking. What's that you say? Yes, yeah. no, I'll say M. Yes. M? Nope, nope, not an M. Here's another yes, line. C2. You just got a neck. Yeah. Yes. You sank my battle. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the first online games. Yeah. You know, I guess yeah. 1938. <laughs> the, the state of the art. The first nerd. I'm running out of nickels. Yeah. Are there any vowels? <laughs> oh, dear. It's just, yeah, very confusing, but it's, yeah, there's a whole other, it's that thing that's in uh, Buckaroo Banzai. In Buckaroo Banzai, when they walk past the uh, the watermelon with the electrode stuck in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guy said, I'll explain it right. later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they never did. Yeah, darn. So, anyway, just, just the mystery of, uh, uh, that is the Joe Johnson movies. Yeah. And I said yesterday that, uh, you know, if, if somebody called me with, like, uh, you know, instructions on what to do about the kidnapped person that I wanted to get back and everything, I would write it down. Watching this makes me realize I would not be able to read my own handwriting if I was writing something <laughs> down that fast. <laughs> I have to go to Gribbles. Yeah, God. Gribbles. What is it? Give up? Uh, I'm supposed to bring H something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Maybe I'm supposed to bring a ham, I think is what that says, the second <laughs> yes. line. Griffobs bring him. Like, sunk my own battleship? What is yes. this? Oh. Flora, flora clock? Wait, wait, Flora? Uh, wow. And then we cut to that beautiful uh, split diopter image, uh, or, you know, the, the nice nice 40s deep focus thing that was always a, mm. kind of a William Wyler effect of where everybody's in focus. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, left, the left-hand side of the screen, we've got uh, Eddie carrying away poor Jenny in that beautiful dress. Yeah. <laughs> heading, heading off into the night. Why are they at different ends of the... Where is... Where is he? Oh, actually, he's going to put on his suit because he's wearing uh, right now. He's wearing his uh, suspenders and his open button collar. Right. But when he shows up later at Griffith Park at four o'clock, yeah, he's of course he's all better carefully dressed. tailored in a oh, tux. Sure. Yeah, and that that stare when you've got uh, Timothy yeah. Dalton is is staring down the hall. He's watching this happen. And then he turns and walks away, and and uh, Paul Servino is just a statue down there at the end of the hall. It's yeah, just, yeah, he's so that, that continuous power struggle between the number three jerk yeah. and, the, uh, <laughs> right. and the guy that the guy that has a a, a nightclub to rebuild and a and an ulcer to put right. up. Well, is Timothy Dalton hiding from drink. the phone down at the end of the hallway? Like it seems like he's he didn't want to hear. Cliff, he didn't want Cliff to hear him breathing or something. <laughs> like if he was too close to the phone, he would have the jig would have been up or something. Yeah, and, and where, where's Lothar? Yeah, I don't. He's you know, probably I mean, the, the last... downstairs finishing his chicken. Oh, yeah. oh, he yeah, had a whole yeah, big plate of that. chicken, and he, you know, now we know he's... he sprinkled some herbox on it. Yeah, yeah. for flavor, so for, for an extra yeah. burst of good poultry goodness. Yeah, but uh, yeah, who is that going off with uh, with Spanish Johnny? Like Spanish Johnny, Spanish Johnny has him in hand. Yeah, but who's the other guy that he's walking off with? Who oh. is that? I don't know who that is. Oh, I thought that. I don't either. Is that Mike? I was my go to reaction was to say that it was Mike. Yeah, but, I, but it doesn't look like Mike. No, it doesn't. Because he's, you know, we know he's there later because Frankenstein isn't bulletproof. Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, there's there's a 50-50 shot. It's Joe Johnston, even though it looks nothing like him. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he, you don't know who that is. It's probably Joe Johnston. I happen to notice that, that bad razor burn on Timothy Dalton's left ear. It looks oh. like they, uh, they went with the straight edge a little too tight. Oh, man. And then uh, had, to, had to go styptic pencil on them or something. But uh, Do they still make styptic pencils? Is that still a thing? I think so. 
Now, I'm, now I've got to Google it. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I was, I, I, I ranked that there with smelling salts and you know, a cherry phosphates from yesterday. Say, yeah. All those other things that you you know you tend to sort of pigeonhole in a in a certain period. Well, uh, yes, Clubman, uh, famous for all those barbershop stuff. Like a, if you want to buy Bay Rum, that's Clubman Bay mm. Rum Pinout. Stipty pencils, they're a dollar ninety nine at Target. Wow. So, I, wow. Just in, just in I am willing to bet that if you walk into Target and find the first person in, you know, khakis and a red polo shirt, which I myself wore into Target once by accident, and Oops. I will never do that again. <laughs> but I bet if you walk into Target, find the first, you know, sort of young person you see and say, excuse me, you know, can you direct me to the styptic pencils? I think there would just be a lot of quiet silence. I just can't imagine. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm being quiet right now, because I, I, I'm going to admit, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Styptic pencils, if I remember correctly, they were made out of um, alum. Is that correct? It, basically, what uh, oh. barber, barbers typically had a styptic pencil in their tray of goods when they were using a straight-edge razor, and if they accidentally nicked you, they'd rub a styptic pencil on it, and it would instantly... <laughs> it's what's known as an anti-hemorrhagic. It, it soaks yeah. up blood and right. stops the blood flow. And it's, it's probably alum, asbestos, and mercury, just like you know everything else at the time yeah <laughs> yes. and, it's, uh, just, it's probably yeah i'm sure they've switched to right. something else that doesn't cause uh, yes. lawyers to show up and tell you how you and can make it, millions if it's right. bad so. here's a uh, like a block of lead you can just chew on <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i do know uh yeah. having ha- having had minor or oral surgery today the the choice Ooh. of doctors is a silver nitrate which oh. um apparently it what that does is it, it it attacks the upper epithelial layers and kills them and forms like a a scarring chunk of cells that lets uh, healing begin because your body just kind of fills in the blanks. It it, it turns your upper skin into a chicken wire. Well, it's it's always back to the chicken. <laughs> wow. We got chicken wire. We yeah. got chicken her her box. We got Lothar eating a plate of chicken. It's uh, yeah. I mean, just never read M- WebMD because you just you just don't <laughs> no want to know. Kidding. That's all. That's all there is to it. But uh, that's uh, yeah. That uh, some somewhere there was a styptic pencil and uh, Timothy Dalton's ear met at one point. I think so much in this one minute. And and we're <laughs> and, we're only and, a few seconds <laughs> in. Knew? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't even exactly. yelled at the kid yet. Yeah, yeah. but when he does, <laughs> we love our segues yeah. on this show. He left out. He left out the backhand. He should have just like held up the back <laughs> of his hand. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, "Shut up!" <laughs> oh, you know what's funny though? That uh, uh, you know he, he yells at her, and then he's he instantly sort of kneels down. He apologizes and everything. That to me seems like real Billy Campbell right there. I just that that's how yeah. I picture. Hmm. That's how I imagine him acting. You know, like yeah. He even yells yeah, at exactly. yeah. his yell, his snap at her is no, not very snappy. No. It's, it's, it's really, yeah. oh, come on, I'm on the phone. Listen, you know, yeah. kidnapping, he, extortion, he, murder, Nazis, just yeah. give yeah. me a break, kid. I got a lot on my mind. And he also, he also somehow believes that Patsy does not know right. who the Rocketeer is, even though everybody yes. at the air show, everybody in the diner knew who the Rocketeer was. He's like, remember the Rocketeer? <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to help me. Him and yeah, Santa exactly. Claus are all coming. The Easter Bunny, <laughs> the new fairy, they're coming too. <laughs> Yeah, oh. coming from that uh, that that puppy farm, we sent <laughs> yeah. your dead puppy to. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh gosh, I keep looking at those dishes, and all I keep thinking is, is are those the kind that break? It, it looks like a uh, uh, one of our, our friend Ryan's uh, <laughs> works. The uh, th- that's there's a stack of plates that just are asking right. to get smashed. Yeah, all, oh yeah, they almost all got to be breakaway. You would think that you would do that just since you know there's going to be fight scenes and everything else, and who knows who's going to improvise what and when. But I don't know. Uh, apparently the. The Bulldog Cafe never closes or unlock or right. locks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess they're well. Maybe out in the maybe country, Patsy yeah. has a key. 
Yeah, she came through but, the front you know, door. We, yeah. so we have no idea what she's doing up, why she's out and about. She sleeps under the counter, I think. Yes. It could be. Got a little bunk under there. Yeah. Some comic books. <laughs> Yeah. She's not quite done washing dishes for the day. Yeah, <laughs> right. and, still paying uh, off her lunch. Yes, at the end of the week she gets a nickel. <laughs> oh, that could could be. It's uh, a hard knock life. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it is. And uh, Jim, you remember uh, uh, you brought this up when we were offline. That uh, Billy talked a little bit about uh, this scene yes. with uh, with America Martin, how she had you know sort of run up against her uh, you know allotted sort of child labor law hours for the day. Unlike her character, who can work twenty four seven, but you no know, nineteen ninety one, we were a bit more civilized with uh, with child labor. So she'd run, uh, she'd run up against her time, and uh, so uh, for some of the, it was a term was back shots, yeah, the, some of the yeah, shots reaction of Billy, shots, yeah, the, reaction yeah. shots. Billy is uh, is talking to a paper plate with a uh, smiley face. Yes. written or drawn on it yes that's a mean so. thing to say about, oh you're saying that literally <laughs> yes literally oh, okay yes we're not uh, we're not disparaging were. uh america okay. martin's uh, acting abilities here no. I, mean, I know she's not God coming on the show that doesn't mean you have to call yeah. her a paper no. plate well, it's a not over crime. yet you know never say never we also don't yet have our framed cease and desist letter from jennifer Connolly. so <laughs> we, uh, dream. Uh, well, yeah. yes we never yeah. give up yeah. and uh, and jim as i'm sure you well know uh, at the time of this film is taking place, uh, paper plates has been around for about 34 years. Really? Okay. They, uh, they came into play it was er- earlier than I thought. Uh, yeah. But in fact, this guy, Martin Keyes, uh, was even thinking about him in the late 19th century. And he was, at, uh, he was at a veneer plant in New York, and he saw the workers there. They would eat their lunches off of these thin sort of waste pieces of maple. And, uh, and he said, well, that's pretty interesting. That's a disposable plate. It's you know, made out of maple veneer, <laughs> which is not maybe the cheapest <laughs> the way to do this. The splinters were tough. The best. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it's got that hearty maple flavor. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so he started uh, working on machines and figuring out a way to do this. And then he got a patent on it and everything else and rolled them out in uh, in 1904 as part of the Keys Fiber Company. Wow. I want someone to make a, a biopic of that and just that moment when he sees the guy exactly. <laughs> lunch off this, Wait a minute. these round, yeah. thin things that are not plates. Did either <laughs> like, of you guys see the, uh, see the film Flash of Genius with Greg Kinnear? No. No. So I will go on record as saying that is the most fascinating film about intermittent uh, windshield wiper blades I have ever seen in my entire life. Wow. It blows all the the competition out of the water. It is actually strong words. An excellent, uh, an excellent film, and it is. It's a it's a biopic about the guy who came up with the idea for the intermittent setting on your wiper blades. And he had, That's he awesome. had like a massive lawsuit against Ford and Dodge, I think. Yeah, yeah and it went yeah. on for years. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. uh, oh okay yeah it, it, so yeah highly recommended if you like that sort of thing wow. cool. as compared with like the the founder I did enjoy the, <laughs> the founder <laughs> made me totally rethink McDonald's it's just like wow what a see it gave me a real mixed relationship with McDonald's because part of me said eh, this guy's a little bit of a jerk and then the rest of me said God their fries are so good yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> we've been talking about it for two hours yeah. I know they're open. Uh, and uh, we will so. actually, we're going to hopefully be having one of the one of the lesser stars. Actually, he's not a star. He's kind of a, uh, an add-on player. Uh, David DeVries, who is one of the uh, golfing buddies of Michael Keaton in, in that movie, will be on. Oh, wow. Is he the one that uh, Keaton throws the hamburger at? Um, no, he's on the, well, okay. well, we'll let him tell the story. It's, but he's, he's on the okay, golf sorry. course talking about. Spoilers. Uh, uh, talking about what what kind of control they wanted over over McDonald's, and right. how they were going to vote him out and all this other jazz. But it was, uh, he he does that kind of a role. He's kind of uh, you'll know him when you see him. He's he's one of those guys. He's the uh, Whit Bissell of uh, of the twenty first century. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Somebody in sort of the Rick Overton club with yes. with a mere one hundred and seventy one credits he's, to his name. He's, yeah, he's he's right right in there, and you'll you'll recognize him immediately. Like or like the, like we're looking at right now, we're looking at Ed Lauder saying a nice clever thing with poor trigger discipline, saying "Remember us." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Remember no me. kidding. Finger yeah, finger on the trigger, and interesting to see that the. Uh, uh, what is it? It's about second 40, second 39, second 40. We've noticed this before, but you can see uh, that these uh, revolvers are loaded. Loaded, they, yeah. You know, nice. oh, wow. big round bullets. You know, right. And presumably these are non, non-firing non versions or they're loaded with you know, special blank only sorts of things. But One would hope. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think anybody would forgive them if you just sort of saw dark holes in those cylinders and didn't, <laughs> yeah. you know, you would, you would assume the lighting was such you couldn't tell for sure. Yeah. But, as it is, there's uh, you know there's something tangible there. Yeah, I you know I keep wondering. I mean, we talk about trigger discipline, and everybody gets kind of cuckoo crazy about trigger discipline every time they see bad ones of it in a movie. But I was wondering at the time, did G men have trigger discipline in the 30s? Did mm. they learn to put their finger alongside the barrel instead of on the gar on the trigger itself? You know, I would certainly certainly that was certainly a, a thing. By the time I came along into law enforcement in the, the very very late 80s, right at the end there, it was certainly well established. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if sort of the glory days of the G men that it really wasn't a thing. That it was you know you'd be ready to shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. That sort they of they got thing. paid by the bullet, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> they probably did. And you. And you know, Jim, we've got uh, we've got a G man, a retired G man out there who's interested in coming on the show, and so that's something we, we can, need to. We can pull pull him up and and, and say, explain yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. give it, yes, give us the straight dope there. What's going on here when you're when you're trying to capture a guy with a with an illegal rocket pack? Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I guess with a revolver, you still have to pull the hammer back, and it's not as I mean, it's not a hair trigger thing that that you're dealing right. with, so right. it might not be as right. immediate. But still, and even these, you know, these would be, uh, you know, you can you can pull the hammer back and set it, but otherwise, I mean, it, it's still one long trigger pull, but it's a lot of pressure for that first uh, yeah. first round in particular. So Yeah, probably a really loud noise in that tiny diner. <laughs> and of course, we it's kind of difficult not to notice that America Martin has disappeared. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yes. we've got four guys trained on yeah. a 10-year-old girl in the cross, and they're aimed <laughs> at each other. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well... This will end well. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the, you know, the E.T. sensibilities when we came back, you know, in Spielberg's special oh, yeah. edition and we removed yeah. all the guns because you don't have guns and kids uh, but, but, in the same scene. And then, then of course, he, he later said he regretted that. But uh, yeah, it's peculiar. Anyway, we, we've, we've, we leap out of the, uh, the bulldog for, well, pretty much most of the rest of the movie until the, uh, the, the, the cheerful ending. But uh, right. we're back with Peavy explaining with his glasses. What what he did to uh, fix the X three? How, how he managed to do how he managed to do that with the help of a circular slide <laughs> roll. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you've got that. Uh, he's you know drawing on the diagram there, as you said, that circular slide rule, Which I I wish I had gotten a better look at it. it. Was the second time we've seen this, I can never quite make out the model number because it's it's basically akin to an E six B, which is the circular slide rule we still use in in training private pilots to this day. Uh, even in the 21st century, as hard as that is to believe, uh, it's still required uh, required learning. Um, it's basically that, except it doesn't have the uh, the E6B, the whole round part slides up and down on a larger rectangular piece for additional calculations. And this doesn't look like it's configured for that at all. There's no sort of transparent section. So there's a whole series of, uh, they started with the Army Air Corps, a whole series of flight computers like that. And you would do things like, well, I'm, you know, I'm flying at 130 miles an hour and I'm knowing burning uh, eight gallons of gas per hour. 
how much fuel am I going to have left after I've flown for 47 minutes, things like that. And you can do those calculations very, very quickly if you know how to use these things. But I've never quite been able to identify, you know, this this particular black black version there with the sort of the yellow flash on it. Uh, any idea on that beautiful chronometer that uh, Howard has on his wrist? The three the, the the three dials inside and oh wow, gosh, you could. <laughs> You could uh, circumnavigate <laughs> the globe with that thing. Uh, just a just a gorgeous piece. I still want to know where the oxidizer comes in on the on this rocket pack. It just drives me crazy every time. Uh, every time I see the thing, there's a single line with fuel, but there's no oxygen anywhere in the system. So it just it uh, confounds me. Alan Arkin here uh, says the most important word in all of uh, TV or movie uh, engineering. He says bypass. If you're ever explaining anything, bypass, any kind of technical yes. stuff, you're, you're bypassing yep. something. There's maybe like a... Yeah, un- unless you're using a computer, then it's override. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can override. Yeah, you bypass, you override. <laughs> or, you know, you, there's like a manifold maybe somewhere. Yeah. Or yeah. A, um, you know, coupler. Yeah, there's in, a coupler. Uh, there's going to yeah, be a coupler, coupler somewhere, yeah. A solenoid, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, in the Force Awakens, Ray uh, Ray is messing with the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo, yeah. and yeah. and uh, and she bypasses the compressor. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That saved everything. That's how uh, <laughs> she gets the hyperdrive working. Yeah. again. Oh. it's like you, if so, you can bypass something, or if you're on Star Trek, if you can channel something through the main deflector dish, yeah. then your goal yes. is and and, and try, try an inverse polaron field. That's the yeah, other important yeah. thing. Right. Polaron tachyon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, yeah. Tachyons, whatever it takes. Good. Yeah. So I think the key is when you're designing something is figure out what you're going to need to bypass later and then just not build that into it. <laughs> right. Or at least make it very easy. Yes, you know, exactly. just have your yeah. sort of bypass built in kind of. Yeah, just a switch that says bypass the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, the thing that bothers me with bypass, the pre- as you know, one of my other great loves is uh, locomotives. And there was a an early locomotive that was in Charleston, South Carolina that w- uh, was put in uh, and it had a pressure relief valve that would really you know after after the uh, pressure in the uh, in the boiler had built up there would be a relief valve that would let the let the pressure off and the engineer that was running the thing who didn't understand quite how it all worked was really tired of the noise of the frequent pressure valve letting off a loud burst of steam so he tied it down and uh that was a result of the first fatalities in american locomotives when the thing exploded and well, whenever it says bypass the pressure valve i keep thinking you know you can't really bypass something with the <laughs> pressure valve because it's usually there to stop the pressure uh, but just because you can bypass yeah. something doesn't mean you should. <laughs> That's a good lesson. Yeah. 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 That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Just basic aviation, like, uh, like Phoebe says. <laughs> yeah, right. like putting a rudder on the helmet. Yeah. Which, <laughs> it's really not a lot of surface area for a rudder, and it's kind of in the wrong place, but that's fine, because... <laughs> That helmet is a work of art. It is. Well, and says Hal, looking fondly at his own on display <laughs> behind him. And uh, of course, we get back to uh, Howard's changed ties yet again. In in you know, in the time since we last saw him, he's he's in yet another uh, bar Dexter tie. That meaning the the stripe is on the upper up on the right hand side of the tie. Hmm. And uh, he just really is a, a major fashion statement. Well, Lord knows he can afford them. Yeah, exactly. He probably they're probably disposable. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, he it probably went to the, the guy hour. who made the paper plates. Yeah, and said, yeah. "How about a, a tear-off disposable?" I need tie. an yeah. intermittent tie. Just <laughs> yeah, an intermittent tie. Yes. Um, and uh, and and PV's still wearing oh. his uh, that that vest. That Billy says looks you know it's it's a common vest that you can you can order. But to me, it still looks like a suit with the uh, with the sleeves uh-huh. cut off. <laughs> it's the late thirties equivalent of wearing cut off jeans. You know, right. it's he's, he's going to repurpose hipster. this garment yeah. one more time. He's the first hipster, and he he has gotten over getting his. <laughs> 
was a hipster before it was cool. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Just uh, in the wrong valley. He should have been Silicon Valley a little bit further north. But he had, yeah. uh, and he apparently got over getting his facial too. The uh, the the grill seems to have not affected the right hand side of his face, so that uh, no, it yeah. all worked out. Yeah, that's true. And is uh, is Alan Arkin the greatest national treasure that we have? I, I can't I can't think of any any greater actor that. To, yeah. have, to have him in a, in a movie, it just instantly makes it that much better. Yeah, I mean, is there a bad movie that he's in, or a movie that he that isn't at least passable because he's in it? He made Get Smart a great movie. I, mean, <laughs> just, uh, I didn't see that, but I believe you completely. Uh, yeah, Steve Steve Carell did did an adequate uh, yeah. Maxwell Smart, but uh, right. having Alan Arkin as the chief was ideal. Yeah, he was just a star. I completely forgot that he was in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. There's a line of his that I quote constantly from the in-laws. Uh, serpentine? It's, it's barely a line of dialogue. It's not even that. It's like Peter Falk is a, it's like early in the movie and they've had some family dinner or something. It got disrupted by Peter Falk stuff and Peter Falk is apologizing and Alan Arkin just goes, hey, listen. And that's it. Like just the way he says that is hysterical. He's like, you know, it's kind of like just passing it off. Like he's, he's, he's obviously annoyed, but he's trying to be nice. Hey, listen. It's one of my favorite lines in any movie. He is one of those guys. Just he can just, he just gives the line and you, you, you believe it. He's yeah. just, he's always comfortable. He always seems like he's perfectly at home in his own skin. And I, and I, I yeah. fall in love all, over and over again with so many of his lines in this movie. And he asked, he asked Cliff if his eyes are painted on. You know, yeah. Did you not see that? Are your eyes painted on? <laughs> <laughs> he, this is just occurring to me. He and Jeff Goldblum and Jimmy Stewart. I never put him in the, I always thought Jimmy Stewart and Jeff Goldblum always, Whatever movie they're in, it always right. seems like the movie was written for them. Yeah. Like, everything they do sounds he like really that. It really is. And he's kind of like that, too. Like, he's, you're like, oh, they got in Alan Arkin's guy to, to write his dialogue or something. Uh, early, a week ago today, we had uh, the screenwriter Danny Bilson on. And he said he had not pictured PV yeah. anything like Alan Arkin. <laughs> and he was expecting, like, a Joe Pesci t- fast-talking, you know what I mean, kid? Oh, wow, wow. And it was, I mean, kind of like the way Martin Balsam was originally supposed right. to be uh, C-3PO, that it he had a completely <laughs> different take. And it worked. I mean, it was just, he's so calm in this thing and talking, you know, and talking to Clifford like he's his, uh, you know, preteen son going, you know, Clifford, you've got to be, you know, something belong to you. And um, it was interesting too. Bilson had said that, you know, he was originally thinking of uh, Pesci also for Eddie Valentine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then had talked about, he was, uh, um, I think we, we'd asked him, you know, if you picture sort of anybody from any era who, who would have, you, you would have uh, chosen for PV. You know, and not that he doesn't think that Alan was a great fit ultimately, but and he came up with uh, William Demarest from. Mm. Uh, well, I, yeah. I always think of yeah. my three sons, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I think of him in uh, All Through the Night. He oh, was. Yeah, he's just such. I mean, he was he was a great, perfect '40s movie star. I mean, yeah. by the time he got to My Three Sons, it was kind of like the end of his career. But yeah, when he was always that fast talking guy, and, listen, you can't. And he he brought that he brought that really to, to My Three Sons as well. Yeah. But I, I I can't picture anyone else but Alan Arkin now. Oh yeah, PV no, because it's, it's such his role. You know, there, there's I don't think there's a role in this movie that I look at and I can imagine easily imagine somebody else in at least not a, a role of any sort of significance. I keep trying to think of somebody else besides Timothy Dalton. I mean, he he's perfect in the role. Yeah. But I just keep thinking, could you put anybody you know, else? else? There, could you plug in there that could play, you know, the 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 evil larger than life uh, Errol Flynn? I I don't know. Yeah, he's perfect. I, yeah, 
you know, Carrie Elwes is too. I think he's too pretty. I don't think he's he too nice. Been, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Nice you wouldn't buy him as like a. Enough. He. I mean, he can carry off the small mustache, and he's got the sort of the classic uh, Hollywood Idol sort of look about him. Well, you know, and for Alan Alan Rickman could have done it, but he was in he was he was in uh, Robin Hood at the same time. Right. So oh, right. It, just, it wouldn't have worked. But so. but yeah, he was he he would have possibly you know you try to think of all the British arc yeah. archetype actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alan. Excuse me. Alan Rickman would have been pretty fascinating, but he's it's hard to by him as for the overtly charming pieces of it yeah he, mm. he has that more of the you know hans quality oh, from die hard yes, he's just exactly. kind of just detached yeah. and not really in, not really that interested in the woman yes. that he's with hans gruber slash yeah. bill clay and uh yeah and die hard yeah <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's got the, the quiet sophistication he could carry that all off it's i i struggle imagining him delivering some of the the you know sort of the schmaltzy romantic lines to to uh to yeah. jenny blake and of all the people that have played howard hughes i don't think terry o'quinn could be topped on this one i can't no. see leonardo dicaprio doing this too young and i mean even though that he was the right age for that he was a very young guy when this was going on he was like in his you know mid-30s and stuff right. and here uh, more of an older terry o'quinn really mm-hmm. comes across not that crazy either yeah. he's more like no it's determined. just yeah he's just determined he's committed. and in charge yeah and and in charge and just in He'll have his own way, regardless. And uh, you, you know, you're the FBI. Too bad I'm Howard Hughes. You work for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and this being back far enough that it's before Lost, so you don't think of him. As, I mean, you you do now, right? right. You just you don't think of him as, as coming out of Lost. Yeah. Or um, Alias, another favorite of mine. Yeah, but, uh, that's, that's true. I think Dean Stockwell's uh, Howard Hughes could maybe be like. Yeah, if he's that's, not play, that's he a could, He could play this Howard Hughes too. I think, not, and not yeah. just the weirdo, spooky guy. Yeah. Sure. You needed you needed somebody with that aura of leadership, and I think mm-hmm. he, he carries it here without being all uh, you know telling Riker to fight the Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, and you know Riker, who was almost Billy Campbell. Oh, strangely yeah, enough, strangely enough, vice versa, or vice oh, versa. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I love I always love this scene because we uh, could be getting seeing cliff get set up for you know a whole a whole uh, third or fourth act of frustration he could be tied up with the fbi forever trying to convince them no no i'm the good guy they've got my girl and they could be sweating him in a cell somewhere and they could have made that more prolonged and painful and instead they show up at the bulldog they bring him to howard hughes and we see peavy's already there mm-hmm. it's all already been smoothed out it's all already been taken care of and it's this it's this great relief and then of course to see howard hughes we've been talking about him he's in charge of everybody but he's fascinated by what pv has to say because he knows pv had uh, found an engineering approach that didn't occur to him and and they're both engineer they're, they're both like it's like uh, pv was talking earlier about how clifford doesn't understand that jenny doesn't go for all those hollywood phony balonies right. he she had you know he, he, she had said that pv and hughes are on par with each other. Yes, Hughes has millions of dollars, and PV right. works in a you know backwater uh, uh, runway place fixing uh, Pratt Whitney engines. But they're both on they're both on the level with each right. other about what makes what's important, yeah. making it a little bit better, and, and tweaking things. And there's a great mutual respect here. And yeah. uh, oh, yeah. Jim, if I were a lesser man, I'd say that in this scene, these are the real balonies as opposed to the phony <laughs> ones. But I, I won't. <laughs> yeah, 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 I won't yeah, go no, there. They, I'm, I'm, a, no, I'm better it's okay. than that. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are. Stand up straight. Here we are. Yeah, just a just a, a beautiful moment with 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 all of this. And 
<laughs> before it all falls into really obvious exposition. But that's that's their job in this role. You know, How, yeah. Howard Hughes is, is here to expose stuff, and we had relied on Peavy back in the you know back in the air show to lay it all. You know, he's he's trying to save your job, Cliff. But if he drifts into those race lanes, he's going to kill somebody. Oh, that's what's happening. You know that kind of thing. So <laughs> right. now we got to find out about the the war against the Nazis uh, through cartoons. But that's all that's all coming up in the future. Um, yes. But Tom, thank you so much for being part of these minutes. Uh, oh, thank uh, you guys. This has been glad, great. Glad you could make it here. I know you you guys have the busiest schedule in all of podcasting. Um, even even on hiatus, you're busy. But, I'm glad uh, to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, you know it, it very very much appreciated for you taking the time. Oh, to, totally. to be on the show. And uh, so, somehow before this thing ends, we've got to get Jerry on because we've got two on the scorecard now. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Jerry, he's, Jerry's got to come in and, he's and have a question. Hole. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Um, but uh, for folks who haven't listened to the Indiana Jones Minute, what are you doing? I don't understand. <laughs> get get over to uh, indianajonesminute.com. <laughs> you can also find them on iTunes and, and uh, Google Play and all that because it is the most one of the most worthwhile podcasts for you to uh, burn many hours listening to. That's um, nice to hear. We have a lot of fun. It, 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 it shows in every minute of your show. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, folks, please check that out. They have super-duper experts and things, and uh, I, I enjoy it. I really, I, as I've said before, I've been late to many things listening to the Indiana Jones Minute. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but you can find them indianajonesminute.com uh, also on iTunes and Google Play and it, by the way we're also on, on uh, all the uh, all the internet stuff out there like Twitter yeah. we're on uh, Rocketeer Minute you can find us on uh, uh, Twitter you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com ro- facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute uh, Indiana Jones Minute is out there at the Indiana Jones and the Listeners Crusade go look for that at a uh, at a browser near you. Yes. And uh, you can find us on the great big site, rocketeerminute.com, where we've got lots of uh, all the previous episodes and cool swag from Amazon. You can uh, uh, go buy buy lots of movies, and uh, I'm sure Walt Disney will love you for it. <laughs> so uh, why don't we pick this up tomorrow as uh, as Howard gets to uh, talk about the stakes as, as, as our week of exposition begins for the, for the DMO. <laughs> So, uh, so join us here tomorrow on the Rocketeer Minute. Until next time, over and out. Ooh.